Hello, good morning, and welcome to episode 99 of Life Song Radio. Hey, I'm Jimmy Hicks, along with Philip Ramsey. He is back with us again this week. Good morning, Phil. Are we going to party like it's 1999? No. No, we're not. That's our uh, Prince tribute for the show. Okay. That's it. (laughs) That's all we're going to do. That's all we got. Um, Well, welcome back. It was uh, peaceful last week. I see that the show continued. And the ratings soared. They did. They did. How do you judge ratings? Well, that's what I say. Oh, okay. (laughs) I just got a feeling. My spirit feels like more people listen. I did. Okay. It's not the Nelson writing. Nelson. It's it's, uh, the Hicks writing. It's it's the Hicks spirit. You are a legend, brother. I am. In my own mind. That's it. (laughs) No, I missed last week. We were at uh, Mississippi College with my... We were on vacation, but then we went to Mississippi College with Reagan, my 18-year-old. And I, I was, I tell you, Jimmy, just to be honest, after leaving that college, there's no other place for her to be. Yeah, uh, Jesus was dripping off every part of the whole weekend. The staff blew me away. Wow. Uh, we had a, a one, it was a big weekend where the kids did things, but the parents did things too, and we all got together, just the parents. You know, there was 200 kids in this part of the orientation. So the parents of those kids got together and had a, a worship service and a time of prayer. Hmm. So we praised God. And then what we did, we... Did the, go ahead. No, you go ahead. We uh, we would bring up an issue that we, we, what we would need to pray about for what they would be doing. And then we got in small groups and as uh, parents and we prayed for our children in that area. And then we covered six or seven things that... Did anybody have to ask you to quit? To quit? What do you mean? <laughs> to quit praying. Feel everybody else is done for us. They're waiting on you. Shut up. No, it was great. And I tell you, if you're looking for a Christian college who... Uh, and, and they have a ball. It ain't like you think you have to go to a secular college to really have some fun. These kids, man, they have a ball. They have a ball. I'm excited about that. So we were there this past weekend, and then we're on the lake a little bit. So I missed it. I'm glad to be back to get into God's Word in Galatians. And uh, I, I might be in a little bit of an over overload mode, uh, but I love it. Yeah. We're doing this study in Galatians. We're doing... In Sunday school, we're doing a study on First uh, Samuel, mm-hmm. and uh, I was I got to teach your Sunday school class last week, and we had a great time. And then I began another study with another group of people, the Book of Judges. So I've got those three things going on every week, and uh, I, we were studying. Can I can I share something with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. First uh, Samuel, uh, of course, Samuel is a prophet, and a prophet speaks for the Lord. And our lesson last week was on 1 Samuel uh, 15. This is where uh, Saul was supposed to go in and utterly destroy. You're going to have to say the word, Jimmy, because I can't. The Emma. How do you say that? Amicalites. That's not right. Well, let's go with that. Amicalites. <laughs> that's not right. Well, you don't tell me what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> but anyway, God said go in and destroy him. Well, he didn't. He did a lot of it, 95% of it, but he took the king and the, and he took the animals out. So he was disobedient. The word of the Lord told Saul to destroy everything. And when God says destroy something, he means to destroy it. It's cursed. 
it's called a he puts a holy ban on it so but he uh, deviated from god's instructions and uh even though he obeyed 95 percent of it partial obedience is really obedience it's disobedience yeah yeah disobedience and so and we got to looking at that and and it just kind of hit me right between the eyes this disobedience that Saul did uh, the word says is like divination the the Bible the scripture says it's like as divination and then like as rebellion and idolatry yeah but if you go back to the original language it says it is divination and it is idolatry so those words divination is uh, sorcery Pretty much looking for other things, looking at other areas to for direction in your life. You know, we think about witchcraft today and fortune tellers and I'm things wi- like that. I'm a wizard. You are? Yeah. <laughs> and I believe you. <laughs> but that's when, when Saul committed that sin, God, God said, that's what that is. And also you think about idolatry. Uh, what is idolatry? Idolatry is putting things before God, and one of the things you put for your God before God is your will over His. So when we were discussing in class, I said, uh, you know, we look at we look at Samuel, who is a who spoke for the Lord to the nation of Israel, and Samuel was, uh, I mean, uh, Saul was disobedient, and we sit here and we say, dude, how can you be disobedient to the prophet, the one that speaks for the Lord? I mean, how stupid can you be? I mean, it's obvious God spoke and you disobeyed. So since we don't have Samuel today, what do we have, Jimmy? We have the Word of God. The Word of God. That's right. The Word of God is our Samuel. Yeah. And when we disobey God's Word, it's Mm. like the sin, a divination, and it's also idolatry. You know, and and, and, and to that point, to, to... I guess to build off of it, you know, having the word of God and and when when you're talking about being disobedient to it, another um, another form of idolatry or I guess this not idolatry. Well, I guess you could put it in the class of idolatry because really all sin is idolatry, Uh, you know, because you're choosing your will over that Mm -hmm. of God and his will is for the word to be in us. And um, the reason that uh, the biggest reason we're disobedient to the word today is because we've been disobedient to reading the word. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we all fall into that category at some point in our life. And I think when when the Bible says, Jimmy, don't be anxious for nothing. Okay, when you when when we do, here's what here's what we kind of do. God, I know you said it. I know you, my father. I know these things that you tell me are only for my good. But when he tells us something and we say, yeah, I know it, but, but yeah. you know, this, 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 mm-hmm. that means you didn't really believe what he said. That's right. Because if you believe it, then you're going to live it. And you're going to walk you, it out. Yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong. I know it's not an all or nothing that we do grow in our faith and uh, we grow. You, you know, when you're born, when you when you're born again, you I don't know. I don't know of anybody who is very strong in their no, faith as far as it's all, total yeah. trust and and it's just like God sifting you and getting the bad out of your life through progressive sanctification. I think the far as far as maturing and in, in your faith and your faith growing, that's all progressive too. Mm-hmm. You're not automatically 
as faithful and as, as mature as a Christian as you'll ever be the moment you're saved. You're not. There's no, if there would be, there would be no reason for it to have teachers and, and, and pastors and, and, and all in place. And the good news is when we do fall short, because we've been born again, we, got an, we have an advocate. That's right. His name is Jesus. We're going to talk about him today. I hope so. That's the only reason I came, <laughs> is to talk about Jesus. Well, we're going to get back into Galatians. Mm-hmm. Uh, got some good stuff coming up. Uh, uh, so hang on tight. We'll be back right after the break. We're going to dive back in to Galatians. What verse are we picking up with, Jimmy? Well, uh, we're supposed to be starting in 17. I guess we can backtrack to 15 okay. and get a little context. Oh, we'll be right back with some more of Life Song Radio. The marketplace is empty. No more traffic in the streets. All the builders' tools are silent. No more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labors in the courtrooms. No debate. Work on earth has been suspended As the king comes through the gate The king is coming The king is coming I just heard the trumpet sounding And now his face I see
back to Life Song Radio. I'm Jimmy. That's Phil over sitting across the way. You can't see him through the radio, but he's here. Trust me. I can smell him. <laughs> I got my shoes off. I actually no, propped up on the table there. You do. Well, uh, Forgive that hole in my sock, though. <laughs> you wearing your church socks. <laughs> They're holy. That's right. <laughs> well, welcome back, folks. Thanks for... Uh, Joining us again this week, excited to jump back into the book of Galatians. Uh, we've uh, This is what part five, I believe, in our study. We um, took a week off last week. Phil wasn't here, so uh, we took a break from actually studying studying in Galatians. So I'm excited to get back into it. We're getting in some, some deep truths this week. Yeah. So Just if you're, you're tuning in for the first time, uh, this is a book, a book or epistle. 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 Uh, It's uh, written by Paul to the churches in Galatia. Paul was radically saved. Most people are familiar with that narrative. He was saved on the road to Damascus in a very dramatic way. All salvation, in my opinion, is supernatural. But his is a little unusual Mm. to be blinded by light. And and then uh, God revealed Jesus to him and he was saved for a purpose, and that purpose was uh, uh, for God, and, and he would be the vessel that God used to to share the gospel or tell, preach the gospel of grace to the Gentiles who who uh, have not heard that. That's right. So uh, let's pick up. We'll, you said start at maybe 15, touch base a little bit, and yeah. jump right in. All right, we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 15. In the book of Galatians, it says, But when he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him fifteen days. But I I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith in in is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they were glorifying God because of me. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's pray, Jimmy. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to open your word. And uh, we just pray that you honor what we do today. Lord, we want to uh, handle your word correctly. We just pray that your Holy Spirit be with us and, and guide us and teach us and uh, reveal your word to us. Lord, we thank you. It's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen. Just Amen. to touch base a little bit, we jump back to verse one verse, uh, but but when he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. The big thing that jumps out to me is Paul's calling on his life had nothing to do with his personality. You know, many times we look at people and we say, and, and I'm not really saying you can't. I'm just saying God didn't operate like this. We may look at somebody's personality and say, boy, if they ever get saved, yeah. God could really, 
use them in a way and and this is such a such an example Mm -hmm. of how god operates not just in paul's case but throughout the entire uh, word of god and through everybody's life yours and mine and everybody's um he's not what he's saying is that he was separate he was set apart even from his mother's womb so before he was even born before he performed any action before he he before he grew into having a personality like you talked about that would that would cause someone to say hey this guy would be a heck of a preacher this mm-hmm. guy would be a, a whatever a great politician or a great this or a great that god set him apart for his work even before he even developed a personality yeah and so that's that's how god operates yeah. before the foundation of the world before we were born we were set apart for his purposes absolutely and of course the last bible study we looked at many other uh, examples where god worked before the person was even born yeah which how can you wrap your mind around that you can't and let me tell you something in the in the qualification is is, is right in the text the reason that he does it is because of his grace. He called him through his grace, not for his any merit that Paul ever had, not for showing himself approved or showing himself worthy, but because God chose him. Right. And was pleased to reveal his son to me. God was pleased yeah. to reveal his son to Paul. True. So that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So that's that's he, what this tells you, Jimmy, is when you're called, you're called for two things, salvation and a purpose. Every person ever born again has been called to salvation, not to sit, but called also for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and see, this is, this is what, I, what I really, really look at in this verse here is uh, what you're saying as well but but going on even further where he says I didn't confer with flesh and blood you know Ananias came to because God came to Ananias mm-hmm. or Jesus came to Ananias and said go pray over him lay hands on him and uh, Ananias kind of hesitant went Paul did not confer with Ananias for any kind of uh, to to make sense of it, he didn't go into Damascus trying to find other Christians to make sense of this. The reason that he didn't is because he already had clarification because Jesus had revealed Himself to him, mm-hmm. and he knew right. he need he needed nobody else's clarification. Right. So the choice of uh, Paul's transformation, his the revelation, and the call to preach to the nations, it was all done by God yeah not men you know Jimmy even after that men played no part in his preparation to fulfill his mm-hmm. calling absolutely not and we're going to get into that here in just a second well let's let's do it let's do it this is the these are the the truths that uh, sometimes maybe get missed maybe maybe you haven't even realized this I didn't at but, all and I didn't either until we started studying it and this absolutely blew the top of my head off absolutely blew my mind starting in verse 17 nor did i go up to jerusalem to those who were the apostles before me but i went away to arabia and returned once more to damascus then three years later i went up to jerusalem to become acquainted with cephas and stayed with him 15 days let's stop there verses 17 and 18 jerusalem arabia damascus so uh paul saying rather than immediately travel to jerusalem 
to be instructed by the apostles mm-hmm. after his conversion, he instead went to, to Arabia and he went into the desert uh, that stretched east of Damascus down to, uh, down to Sinai. Um, if you look at a map, and after being prepared for ministry, he returned to minister in nearby Damascus. But uh, here's the here's the funny thing. Uh, before we even get into this truth that we're talking about, it's so funny how when we when we talk about how God prepares uh, folks throughout Scripture for ministry, I mean, look at what He did with Moses. Look at what He's doing here with Paul. And look what He did with David. He trained him outside in the desert. David he trained outside Moses he sent to the desert he sent uh, he sent uh, Paul here to the desert so I mean it's something about being alone in the wilderness with God (laughs) that he uses so I'm I'm really second guessing if I was if I was Paul here's how I'd be thinking man the Lord just saved me what do I need to do right now I need to get with the people who walked with him who talked with him he poured his life into these men if I can get up under their teaching Mm -hmm. they can pour into me more about this person that was revealed to me on the road that's right but that is the opposite of what happened that's right and there's reasons why that did you think about it if he had went under those other the other apostles, think about his effectiveness with the Gentiles. How less effective he would be mm-hmm. if he had done that. He he wouldn't be accepted like he was a little bit later on. And and and, and do you find something weird here? The 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 approximate time from Paul's conversion to his first journey to Jerusalem is three years. Think hmm. about think about what happens, Jimmy, in three years. Huh. Let's look at time. How old is your little boy? Your your youngest boy is what? He'll be five. He's five. So over half of your son's life after uh Saul Paul was saved, he went away mm-hmm. for three years. Why? Well, I mean, he, I know why. Well, I know we know why, but uh, and that's why your top of your head is blown off. That's exactly right. <laughs> I want to point us to before we get to that. Point us to Acts nine twenty six, Acts chapter nine verse twenty six. This is after Paul's or Saul's conversion, and we're in verse twenty six. And he said, when he had come to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. So even after the three years, when he finally travels to Jerusalem to go to the disciples three years he had not been seen heard of or anything but his reputation still preceded him Mm -hmm. to the disciples and to other people three years of being uh not even a blip on anybody's radar he was gone dead eaten by bears for for all Mm -hmm. they knew Mm -hmm. he had left he was gone and then he goes to those that had been poured into by jesus in jerusalem and they were still afraid of him so where was he for three years? He was in the desert. Why was he there, Phil? Well, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm, I'll say it, and then you can say it more <laughs> more eloquently. Eloquently. Than I, uh, what what Saul had learned about the gospel of grace, about everything Jesus was, was not taught to him by man by any other apostle or by any other institution. Uh, He was, everything that he got, he got from Jesus himself. So he was an apostle just like 
just like Jesus poured his life for three years into the disciples prior to his death, Jesus Christ poured his life into Saul, into the Apostle Paul for three years after his death. So I say, based on what I'm reading, that he was discipled by Jesus Christ through... Now, how did that take place? We don't know. Yeah, I would just say I'll revelation say, well, through I'll the Holy Spirit. and I'll say between verses 19a and 19b... Um, in Acts nine, mm-hmm. there's three years, and in in the middle of that verse, there's three years because it says this is after Ananias had come to him in the house, and in, during his after his conversion and prayed and and the scales fall out, fell off of his eyes and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and his eyes uh, opened up and then he arose and was baptized and here's verse nineteen and he took food and was strengthened. And then here's here's 19b. Now, for several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. Um, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is the son of God. There were three years in between mm-hmm. that, in my opinion. And so, um, and that goes because of what we just read. He went away for three years. All right, and now a point of, let me, let me give a point of clarification, because I know I just said something that... Uh, that could be taken uh, out of context. When I said Paul went to the desert and he was by himself for three years, um, I meant it, but I didn't mean it in a way that he wasn't around people. He was in a desert, but he wasn't necessarily deserted. Correct. Um, you know, so uh, when I say that uh, that he was by himself, I meant that uh, just kind of like what you alluded to earlier, is he didn't immediately go to the apostles and sit up under the apostles and have them teach him. He learned, quote unquote, by himself through Jesus. Jesus. Jesus taught him. Nobody else did, and so that's what I meant by by him being by himself. Right. And then, uh, and then it says he returned once more. After he left there, he returned once more to Damascus. Mm-hmm. Think about that, man. The last remembrance of Saul, or I'm just gonna say, let, I won't say Paul from here on out. So okay. just keep it simple. The last remembrance from the people. In uh, in Damascus, from this guy, what was he doing? He it's was killing. He was killing them. Mm-hmm. He was arresting them. So here comes Paul back to Damascus. What would Jimmy do if if yeah. if uh, Paul so you see killed coming, Jimmy's mama? And then you see him walking coming. down the road. What's your first reaction? I'd be running towards him to kill him. Yeah, or running the other way, fr- scared of He's your life. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, John, uh, Jackie? Uh, you know, I'm talking Nicholson movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here's Johnny. Yeah. Here's uh, Solly. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> We're going. But uh, in Acts nine, it says, "But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any." Any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So that's what he was doing prior to his his conversion. Is he was looking for Christians to arrest, to throw in jail, or to kill if it got to that. Yeah. And uh, he asked for permission to seek them out of the high priest. He received it. He was on his way to do it, and boom, 
Jesus met him in the middle of the road. Paul gets converted, goes away three years, and so three years later, the next of anybody really ever sees of him uh, in Jerusalem and in these areas, here comes Paul. Uh, we hadn't seen him in three years. We thought he got ate by uh, the boogeyman or something, and now mm-hmm. here he comes back. Uh, yeah, they're scared. Yeah. So then uh, after that, Paul went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas. Who's Cephas? Peter. Cephas is Peter. He was with with Peter for 15 days. Now, obviously, this is too too far short of a time to have fully been transformed from all of this Jewish theology and tradition uh, that he'd been instructed with. So his visit to, to Peter... Uh, uh, was to become acquainted with, mm-hmm. and that verb means to visit with the purpose of getting to know someone. This visit wasn't a learning or teaching session. This was a, a visit to get acquainted with Peter. So he would know he wasn't the same old. Do what now? So he would know he wasn't the same old Saul. Yeah, and he, he sat there with him, and I can just, if you go back and just try to imagine what happened them sitting on the couch. Here we have Peter who walked with Jesus for three years, and then we have Paul who had an encounter with Jesus. Wouldn't you want to know more about him? Yeah, absolutely. But it it wasn't to teach theology and and all of that. It was just uh, two friends talking about their Savior. Well, they weren't friends immediately, but they quickly became yeah, friends. Yeah, you're right. Well, and and, and two, it's uh, it's it's funny how how we think about uh, why you know I, I think about things like this is why Peter. Why Cephas? Why him? Why not James? Why not John? Well, James was there. Yeah, but why not John? Why not? Yeah. Uh, why not somebody else? And uh, and the reason this is this is Jimmy Hicks's theology is uh, he knew what it was. Uh, uh, he knew Peter knew what it was like to doubt. Uh, he knew that uh, it may be Jesus even told him, hey, "Go to Peter. Mm-hmm. This guy will believe you." Yeah. <laughs> this guy's a yeah. He did have a few issues in his life. Yeah, and so uh, of course he had uh, he had already overcome some of those, especially as he uh, as he began preaching. I mean, this is a guy who doubted. Uh, talk about Peter who doubted um, a lot of things, mm-hmm. uh, even seeing them in front of seeing Jesus, and then doubted and fell short and, and uh, denied him and and whatnot. And then uh, in Acts, quick very quickly after Jesus' ascension. Uh, he was uh, he was very forward with folks saying, you know, he he died, you killed him, mm-hmm. you know. So and that was very unpeter like at the time. So right. anyway, we got off topic, we could digress, and so uh, back to Galatians. Jimmy granted that he went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with uh, with Peter, but his his leaving Damascus was uh, it's kind of hard. It says in Acts uh, nine twenty three. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Who? Paul. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through the opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. So it doesn't really say it, but it's it's possible because he left on uh, some pretty bad terms, he probably, he might have stayed longer, but uh, he might have stayed longer if he hadn't been trying to kill him. So it didn't really say that he would, but it's very possible right. he could have stayed on in Damascus 
and preaching. And there was there's no time frame given for him going to Jerusalem. But when he arrived there, he tried to see he tried to see the apostles, and uh, he was rebuffed because of fear that he was he was not a true believer. So, you know, we're going to see without the help of Barnabas, Paul, he wouldn't he wouldn't have not been able to even see uh, visit Peter or James. Right. And we're going to read that here in just a few minutes. So, who knows? Who knows if it was an early departure from Damascus or Damascus or not? Well, I do know that uh, it's real. We'll, we'll bring this up real quick uh, before we go too too much farther. Back in Acts nine, before before Paul or Saul gets to uh, to Peter, as he's getting ready to, uh, or as they're getting ready to take him out, lower him out in the in the basket, and they're watching the gates. It's it's real f- uh, not funny, but it's uh, interesting to note out that uh, you you know we started in verse twenty three, Acts nine twenty three, and many days had elapsed. The Jews plotted together to do away with him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they were also watching the gates day and night to put him to death. But his who disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall lowering him into a large basket so it didn't take long for uh, Saul to uh, once he got to Damascus after his three years in Arabia uh, to begin building disciples yeah that's a good point I just kind of looked over that that's a good point so uh, you tell me building disciples isn't what we're here Mm. and I tell you look at Paul's life look at Jesus's life Mm -hmm. because that's that's what they that's what they did you know, another quick note, Jimmy. There were uh, there were twelve apostles of Jesus Christ, and uh, James was not one of the original uh, apostles of Jesus Christ. But it called him apostle here, and there's a reason why he could be called the apostle. Why was that? Because he saw Jesus resurrected. Yeah, that's one of the requirements to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. So, uh, just a little side note there. You know, and then it says, Jimmy, I assure you before God that I am not lying. You ever been, you ever know something to be 100% true and you're telling it and, and, and they're saying you're lying and you say, I promise I am not lying. Yeah. This is what's happening here. The Jewish, the Jewish uh, legalist accused him of being a liar. And he says, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Yeah. He's this what he's doing, they're trying to discredit who he was. And to discredit a message, first you have to discredit the messenger. They didn't contradict what the some of the apostles, the original apostles were saying, but they were going after Paul's throat to take him down and discredit. Look, he, he never saw Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's never sat under his teachings. Yeah. He's a liar. Paul says, before God, I tell you, I am not lying. Yeah, I mean, and it's 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 a it's a big thing here because he's saying I did not obtain my knowledge of Christ from any of of these holy men, from any of these mm-hmm. apostles. Um, so I'm not an imitator of these apostles. I'm not an imitator of any man, any holy man. I was sent out by Christ Himself and instructed by Him through revelation. So I'm an apostle of Christ just as much as any of these guys, mm-hmm. and I ain't lying. So he's in Jerusalem. Paul's in Jerusalem. Uh, what does he? He leaves. 
he leaves Jerusalem. Is this a a joyous a joyous occasion of leaving? No. Or is this another another situation like he just encountered in Damascus? Well, I think it's another situation uh, because we can pick that up in. Uh, uh, where do we pick that up in? Well, if you look in Acts nine twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Well, if you back up to, you know, we just went over 23 through 25 where he was taken out of, uh, he was helped. Uh, they were they were looking to kill him in Damascus. Mm-hmm. And so he was helped by his disciples to leave. And then Barnabas took him up uh, to Cephas and he saw James there as well. And we see that in 27. But Barnabas took a hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the, lo- the, the Lord on the road. And so him and, uh, him and Peter spends his time together and then we see that uh, he goes back uh, or he's in Jerusalem there moving about freely mm-hmm. and so um, verse 29 we come to and he's talking and arguing with uh, Hellenistic Jews but they were attempting to put him to death but when the brethren learned of it they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus so the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it continued to increase and the point that we're making is uh, is they were trying he had to really he left Jerusalem too, because he was his reputation preceded himself, and uh, they were attempting to kill him. Absolutely, the other, but he went. The other apostles didn't go with him. They stayed there in Judea and Samaria, and they had no contact or no influence on him uh, when he left. So he left, and uh, when word of revival in in Syria and Antioch reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas off to Antioch who ministered there for a while by himself and then left for Tarsus to look for Saul with whom he then taught considerable numbers in Antioch. So he left there and went to those regions and continued on preaching. And then when we get back into Galatians, where he's writing here, verse 21, he says, I go into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing. He, he, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And then this time is when uh, they were glorifying God because of him. So he was still unknown by sight to the churches in Judea. So let's let's look at that a minute. Okay. You know, word travels quickly. It does. It really does. Absolutely, especially in a in a in a, in a community like ours. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, Jimmy, know my business. Did you know that? They and know it, your business. And if they don't know it, they just make some up. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Which there's some truth to that, uh, you know, small town. But anyway, that's right. Uh, I'm just sitting here thinking. I'm trying to think of some some everyday illustrations here, true illustrations of uh, of this right here. And a guy that comes to mind, he's a friend of mine, and I met him probably 30 years ago. And uh, there's several people, and he, this individual, and his uh, wife. Uh, now has uh, several children, four or five children. Uh, he went to China for 10 years. I mean, left everything. Yeah. Went to China and uh, knew nothing, knew, did not know the language, knew nothing, but 
but he was called to spread the gospel to those people. And uh, so from time to time in Sunday school, and there are several people that are in my Sunday school who know this guy, so we reference him. Mm-hmm. We have referenced him over the years. Right. So we talk about this guy every so often in Sunday school, especially when we talk about the gospel and missions. Right. If he walked into the classroom nobody would know him except the ones that you know know him you wouldn't know him by sight would not know him by sight hey who's this visitor but you would know the name but but most everybody in that sunday school class would know the name shane hartsfield and would know the story of spent the guy that spent 10 years tipton county and who spent 10 years in china yeah so you would know his story but you wouldn't know him by sight and that's exactly what uh, paul is saying here yeah Absolutely, and and uh, they were, you know, you think about this, uh, they were glorifying God because of him. They were glorifying God because of him and, and what he was doing. So they no longer could doubt that he was especially chosen and gifted man of God mm-hmm. because he was facing persecution. Or an instrument of God, as Jesus said yeah. in, in Acts 9. He has told Ananias, he is an instrument of mine. When you face persecution, you're either going to get out. You're either going to jump ship, and the, and the heat of the persecution will show who you really are. So Paul has, has a three years or so before this of being persecuted for for the for Christ's sake. He didn't jump ship mm. and they knew it. Yeah. And they glorified God because, of, because that. of that. Yeah. So Paul has stated his case. Okay, and the apostles received him. They received him. I believe uh, read you got Galatians two nine pulled yeah, up. Not only did the did the, the churches here um, begin to glorify God because of him and receive him, but the apostles also received him. If you look a little bit ahead in uh, chapter two, verse nine, it says, "In the recognizing, and recognizing the grace that had given that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be the pillars, uh, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, and uh, that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised." Mm. Well, in the second letter. Peter not only acknowledges Paul's authority, but he also asserts that his epistles, even at a very early date, were already, they were already recognized as, as, as scriptural. Mm-hmm. I mean, from an early date, Second Peter three fifteen through 16 says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. As he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things uh, in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. Mm. So Peter uh, recognizes very early on that that he's given clout and he's given, uh, I don't know the word I want to use, but... Paul approval. is approval. He's legitimate. He's the yeah. real deal. He is an apostle. Yeah, I mean the, the James that they're talking about here is Jesus' half brother, and uh, this guy had ri- he had risen to a prominent role in the church, the Jerusalem church. Uh, and then we're talking about Cephas and John, uh, the and so. Um, they were uh, they were two of Christ's closest companions. Mm-hmm. They were two of the closest, you know, because he poured his life into twelve. 
but there was really three that he spent most of his time with. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're talking about two of those three right here in this same area. Uh, and so uh, they became the main apostles in the Jerusalem church, pillars. That's why he calls them pillars. Um, and so emphasizing their role, James, Peter, and John, in establishing and supporting the church, He this is why he says, grace, the grace given to me. And uh, the, this is the only conclusion the leaders could make was that God's grace was responsible for the powerful preaching of the gospel and the building of the church through Paul's efforts. One of his disciples, Barnabas, and he himself uh, had been uh, given the right hand of fellowship. Uh, that re- represented the right hand of fellowship represented a, uh, a, um, a, 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 I guess, a vow of friendship, a mark of partnership, uh, and it signified the apostles' recognition and approval of Paul as a teacher of the true gospel and a partner of theirs in the ministry. And so they said, uh, for with even with further confirmation, they says uh, they say Paul uh, his. Div- his call to the ministry is divine and uh, they, they should go he should go to the gentiles so they that was a blow to the judaizers because the apostles directed him to continue in what he was already doing and flourishing in uh, with his ministry to the gentiles and they would continue themselves with the jews and the circumcised mm-hmm. so they absolutely 100 percent approved of could see that he was the real deal uh, there was there was no need to sift him anymore. He was real, yeah. and it be, it become known and apparent to them. Well, and like, like we said earlier, the persecution that he endured uh, was uh, also uh, proved who he was. Yeah, mm. that's big time, bro. It is, and absolutely. he's uh, he's got a message to the Gentiles, and uh, Jimmy is a Gentile. Phil is a Gentile. And uh, we might cover. Well, I know we've talked about talked about this before. And when you study the the Old Testament, when you study about Israel, and uh, like we started in Judges the other day, and and God commanded Israel to wipe out. I'm talking wipe out some different people. Yeah. And I'm not talking four or five people over here. Uh, Ten thousand in this this nation or uh, one of the kites you know you know all those people yeah. group <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh so you look and you say man i'm just and one of the questions i asked myself here we got israel you know uh absolutely annihilating by god's command ten thousand people and these some of these people well, these people are not part of Israel, God's chosen nation. So was salvation available to these other people? One thing, one thing that the word mystery, and I know we've said it before, but you might be a new listener. Uh, if you hear something in the New Testament when, it, when the word mystery is used, uh, what that is is something that's being revealed and unveiled that that has always been true but was hidden in the old testament so gentiles were saved in the old testament and gentiles were saved outside of the nation of israel it was hidden then but paul is going to reveal and unveil a message to gentiles a message of god's grace that has always been you never get saved outside of god's grace I don't care. Hey, that starts with Adam and Eve. It's God's grace from day one. So he's preaching this message that was uh, appeared only to be to the Jewish people. He's unveiling 
He's been called. He's been saved. He's been called to reveal this message. Mm. Something that was once hidden is now being brought to light for the world to see and praise the Lord for that. Amen. What we're studying, you ought to be encouraged, especially Mm. if you have been saved and you are born again and you have family, close friends, co-workers, basically anybody you know that there appears to be absolutely zero hope for them to be saved. Mm. And why do I say that? Well, look at Saul. All you got to do is look at Saul. Saul hated, absolutely hated Jesus, the blasphemer is what he thought, thought he was from the pits of hell. I see and he hated everybody associated with him. So when you look at uh, family and friends and co-workers and, and your, your heart hurts for them, your heart hurts, and you may say, just like if you looked at Saul's life, there is absolutely no hope for them. I mean, there's no hope. They've heard the message. They've heard the message of the gospel. They've rejected the gospel. I give up. Well, don't give up. I urge you to pray for those people. You know, what I love about God, one of the many things I love about God is he works through the prayers of the saints. He saves people that where there appears to be no hope at all. Mm. He does it every day. And so don't ever give up on anybody uh, when it comes to to salvation because God is much bigger than any of us. He can save anybody at any time. And I'll tell you a great prayer to to really you need to be praying every day if you can, Uh, not just for and I'm going to go through it as we wrap this up. uh, But uh, Ephesians chapter one, 17 through 23. Oh, my goodness. That's one of the greatest prayers in the entire word of God that you Mm -hmm. can pray. And uh, I want to pray that uh, for us as we as we go out, if that's okay. Well, when the gospel is presented, Jimmy, our part of the gospel is the response. Yeah. in faith and uh, what you need to know that God is holy God is perfect God is righteous and uh, because of his nature of being perfect and holy and righteous and a good judge he must judge sin and every one of us are sinners Jesus came from heaven to earth the perfect lamb the perfect sacrifice to pay the sin debt that we couldn't pay that Phil could not pay on his own Phil never could pay the debt I was destined and hopeless for hell but God Jesus stepped into my life and said Phil uh, I can pay your fine repent of your sins turn away from your life Turn away from your way of life. Change your mind, your will, your intellect, your decisions, everything about your life. I want you to turn from this world and turn to me and trust me. Believe in me. I pray today that the Holy Spirit works in your heart, prepares your heart, and I pray that you receive the gospel. And I pray you repent and believe he is who God said he was. That's right. And and, and I'll just say that uh, if you can get alone, um, get alone, get in a quiet space and uh, get on your knees, get on your face 
and pray that God reveal himself to you in a way that he never has before, in a way that you uh, just just uh, just show himself to you. Uh, I promise you, he will. He will. And he will change your life, and he will use you to change the world. I told a, a, a girl the other day, I said, if you want God, you will find him. But if you don't want him, if you don't want God, then you won't find him. And wanting God is not just wanting the things he can give you, but wanting him. Yeah. Wanting him. Even if he was never to give you any blessing in your entire life, you're okay with it because you're satisfied in just knowing him. Mm -hmm. That's, That's what it means to want him. Yeah. But uh, I feel I want as we as we wrap this up and head out, I want to pray uh, a prayer that I think everybody should pray every day. It should be a part of their, uh, if not just their quiet time, but just a, a just part of their time uh, with the Lord every day. Ephesians one uh, verses seventeen through twenty three, one of the most uh, powerful prayers in the entire Word of God, and I think uh, we should be praying this to the Lord every day. So if uh, so if we can, let's just uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer for a minute. Uh, Father, Lord God, we love you. And God, thank you so much. Father, we pray right now according to your word, Ephesians chapter 1, that, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and a, a, spirit of, uh, a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Christ. God, we pray that uh, that that the eyes of, of understanding uh, will it will be enlightened. Uh, our eyes uh, will be uh, will be enlightened so that so that we may know uh, what what is the hope of the calling of Jesus. And Father, we we know what is the what is the riches of Jesus's inheritance to the saints. And uh, and and we want to know what the exceeding greatness of your power towards us really is towards all that believe uh really is lord and uh, and we know that's according to the working of your mighty power uh where you raised that you used to raise christ from the dead and you seated him at your right hand in the heavenly places so far above uh the, anything here so far above uh all uh, all power all, all all principality so far above that and 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 so and, and so god every name that is name not only in this age but also in the age which is to come father uh, we thank you that you put all things uh, under the feet of jesus and you gave him to be head over all things uh, to the church which is which is which is his body uh, the fullness of him who feels all in all Father, uh, open our eyes that we may see how great you are and how complete your provisions are for us. God, we thank you that the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross and in his resurrection has been given to us and that that we are seated with the Lord Jesus in the heavenlies. And and God, uh, by, by faith and in dependence on you, we put off the fleshly works of the old man and we stand into the victory of the crucifixion where Jesus provided cleansing from the old nature. God, we, we, put on, uh, my, we put on ourselves the new man and we stand into all of the victory of the resurrection and the provisions that the Lord has made for us. And so, Father, we, we put off all forms of selfishness and put on ourselves the new nature of Jesus with its love, 
We put off all forms of fear and put on the new nature of courage in Jesus. And God, we just ask that you help us to stand in the victory of the ascension and glorification of the Lord Jesus, whereby all principalities and powers were made subject to him. Father, we claim our place with Jesus as victorious with him over all our enemies, all the enemies of our soul. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come into our lives, break down every idol, cast out every foe, and continuously lead us in prayer. Lord, we're thankful for the expression of your will for our daily life that you have shown us in your word. By the power of the Lord Jesus, I claim, we claim all of the will and the destiny of God for us. I'm blessed. We're blessed. We are thankful that you have blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we're thankful that you have begotten us into a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And Lord, we are thankful that you have made provisions for us so that we can be filled with the Holy, that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, with love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and meekness, faithfulness, and self-control in life. And Lord, we recognize your will for us and therefore reject and resist all the efforts of Satan and his wicked spirits to rob us of your will. And Jesus, we ask that you put a hedge of protection around our minds to protect us from the enemy of all accusations, insinuations, and lies. We claim the fullness of the will of God in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we completely surrender ourselves to you, Father as a living sacrifice. We choose not to be conformed to this world. We choose to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and we pray that you would show us your will and enable us to walk in your will. We bind our lives to the will of we bind our lives to your will. We bind our minds to the mind of Christ. And we pray this in the name that stands above every name, the only name under heaven by which man must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's going to do it for us again, folks. We will uh, see you back here. Phil, we'll see you back here next week. Chapter 2. Life Song Radio.